You're listening to the feed. This is the feed. This is the feed. The feed. You're listening to the feed. In Markham. In Richmond Hill. You're listening to the feed in Vaughan. In Stouffville. In Woodbridge. In Unionville. This is the feed on 1059 The Region. I'm Ann Romer with York Region's only news magazine show dedicated to the issues, events, and stories that matter to all of us who live and work here. The story that continues to change our lives is COVID-19, but now, gradually, we are on the comeback. And joining us on the feed right now, Rocco Rossi, President and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. Thank you for being a part of our show. You know, business is so important. It is huge to the Ontario economy. What is the Ontario Chamber of Commerce mission when it comes to all of this? Well, as the umbrella group for over 135 uh, chambers and boards of trade and every community uh, across Ontario, including many in York, uh, in York region, we represent over 60,000 businesses, a good chunk of the economy. And uh, our job, our mission is to be that indispensable partner of business to help get their message uh, to policymakers, uh, so that we build the most uh, dynamic and successful economy in the world. So that's under normal circumstances, and this is a far from normal time in our lives and in the economy of Ontario and the lives of business people. So how is the Ontario Chamber of Commerce handling the impact of COVID-19? Well, we're doing everything in our power to uh, share the, the pain points of our members and the best ideas they have with policymakers so that we stay uh, afloat during this crisis, uh, lean into helping solve the crisis, and at the end of this, and there will be an end of it, uh, rebuild bigger and better. So the economy baby steps, you know, we're at the early stages of the reopening and retail businesses uh, under certain circumstances have been allowed to reopen starting earlier this week. What has been the response from businesses across Ontario? Look, there is still a tremendous amount of of pain uh, out there. We have to be gradual. I, I get that um, because at the end of the day, without a vaccine, uh, we simply uh, have uh, no choice but to go gradually and do everything possible to give both consumers and employees the confidence to participate uh, in the economy because the last thing we want is another massive spike and then a lockdown. That would be uh, absolutely the worst thing that could happen. So how do you instill confidence in both businesses and in workers, in employees? Well, th- this past week, we actually surveyed uh, Ontarians uh, leading, leading up to the reopening um, to basically say, look, we understand uh, we don't have a vaccine. And 75% of Ontarians told us, look, we're, we're afraid of uh, of being infected, of contracting uh, COVID. Okay, so what would it take to give you greater confidence? And the big items that um, that came back, far more testing, general population, plus ensuring for employees of establishments. Two, tracking and tracing. Um, you know, testing is is great, but unless once you've tested someone positive, you're quickly able to identify all of the people that person has come in contact. You can't put the fire out. So that's really important. Third, we've got to have much more PPE than we have today. Up until now, uh, we've appropriately focused, and the priority has been our frontline healthcare workers, uh, and that has to continue to be the case. But we're going to need enough masks and gloves and gowns and shields and uh, sanitizer for all of the companies that are going to be opening and their employees and their and their customers. And finally, we want to make sure that everyone uh, on the job is trained to those um, key steps in keeping things as safe as possible. We can't bring the risk to zero, but we have to bring the risk of incompetence to zero. We also have to take a look at the confidence 
when it comes to the consumer. How confident are Ontario consumers about getting back into the stores and and into businesses and and you know spending money that they may or they may not have? It's a it's a great uh, question and it is the uh, uh, the billion dollar question because without consumer confidence there will be no economy and we're seeing evidence of that in jurisdictions in the U.S. like Georgia and Texas that have that have opened up wide open. Um, you know, some would say, myself included, dangerously so. And lots of consumers and employees are simply staying away because they don't uh, have that confidence. They have been hit hard, both economically and from a health fear standpoint. That's why, again, it goes. It still goes back. That testing, that tracking and tracing, that PPE, that's critical for the consumer as well. And the more pieces of the economy open so that people uh, have money in their pockets to be able to, uh, to spend and participate in the economy, that, that's key too. What are your thoughts when it comes to the support that the Ontario government is offering and also the federal government? Earlier this week, uh, the Prime Minister announced the Emergency Commercial Rent Assistance Program, something that has probably been one of the biggest, most difficult challenges for small and medium, even large businesses, paying rent. I, I get more calls about this than, than just about anything else because it is for most small and medium-sized businesses the single largest um, cost, particularly for those businesses that have effectively been uh, been shut down or significantly reduced so that they don't have employees or have relatively few employees. This is the big hard uh, cash cost for them. Uh, and, and unfortunately, the announcement really um, uh, didn't clarify everything that needs to be uh, clarified. It doesn't require uh, landlords to participate, and so... We're seeing different outcomes for same kind of businesses, but one landlord will participate, another might not. And this isn't, you know, just mean landlords. Uh, the program uh, is still quite uh, confusing and puts a lot of responsibility on the landlord to then administer and to decide, uh, you know, does the business that I'm going to give the reduction to, do they qualify? And if they if I do give them the discount and they end up not qualifying at the end of the day, am I on the hook for the full amount? So it creates a lot of uncertainty, a lot of worry, um, and and has come very late in the game. Most small, medium-sized businesses started the crisis with maybe 20 to 30 days of cash on hand. We've blown past by that. Uh, and so a lot of the assistance, particularly for small uh, businesses has been really in the area of deferrals, defer paying taxes, defer GST, defer WSIB, defer property taxes. Well, those things start adding up. That was fine if it was going to be short, but we've gone 10 plus weeks. Um, and, and so people are adding those totals up in their head and saying, can I even afford to open the door when I'm allowed to reopen my business? Uh, will I survive? Will I be able to pay down the debts? And, and sadly, many of those businesses are going to have to answer no. And if we don't get uh, more changes and quicker access to the funds for tenants on the rent side, that number of companies that go under will increase. Man, that's heartbreaking. If we can, can we turn our focus specifically to York Region and the businesses uh, within York Region, obviously several municipalities, but uh, connected and, and yet independent on their own, in, in their own way. What's the situation like? What are you hearing from York Region businesses? Well, lots of great uh, chambers uh, helping those businesses in York Region, including uh, the Vaughan uh, Chamber of Commerce, uh, led by Brian Schiffman. Just a, a very diverse uh, uh, economy, a lot of light manufacturing, uh, a lot of retail, lots of restaurants, you know, and, and clearly it depends on the sector that you're in, restaurants and all of those great um, 
you know, sort of uh, wedding and venue halls uh, in the region, uh, Canada's wonderland, places where you're going to have, by their nature, lots of people in close proximity are, are the ones that are going to have the most difficulty and wait the longest in terms of reopening. Uh, and that's causing tremendous anguish. Um, but what I'm also seeing, and it's important to uh, to emphasize in York Region and, and across the provinces, despite this crisis, we have businesses stepping up, and, and we have a campaign called Difference Makers, and they're stepping up and, you know, some small craft brewers who are converting capacity and making hand sanitizers or uh, small fashion clothing companies turning and making masks and, and gowns um, to make a difference to help fight um, the, uh, uh, the crisis. And, and so I could not be prouder of the community. They're always there uh, year in, year out, but, uh, but you really get your character tested in times of crisis, and, uh, and it's been fantastic. Rocco, the Ontario Chamber of Commerce is an independent, nonpartisan voice of Ontario businesses. What do you say with your voice to Ontario businesses right now? We're all in this together. You've got to keep uh, telling us your story so we can keep pushing. One thing that I'm so pleased by is that uh, governments at all levels, municipal, provincial, federal, truly have been working closely together through this. It's been one of the biggest benefits of the crisis, the level of collaboration we've never seen before, and the willingness uh, to listen, to iterate, to change. I mean, when the wage subsidy program began, they were only talking about 10%. It went up to 75%. There's still lots of gaps. There are lots of issues, but, uh, but changes are, um, changes are coming. And then finally, we're going to have to do the reopening slowly and carefully, as frustrating as that is. Until we have a vaccine, we're going to live with COVID. So we need to be smart. We need to be safe in order to maintain uh, the confidence of our employees and our customers. Uh, but together, we're going to build back better. How can people reach you? How can people be in touch with the Ontario Chamber of Commerce? We have tons of online resources at our website, occ.ca. We're running a webinar series about everything from uh, the rent subsidy program to um, to reopening tips and, and, and advice from other businesses on, on uh, reopening all of that website. And you can always uh, reach us on Facebook, on Twitter, on, uh, on LinkedIn, and you can reach me at Rocco at OCC.ca. Rocco Rossi, our paths have crossed many times over the years. I am so glad you are currently the president and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. Thank you for giving us this time on the feed. Very kind of you always, uh, and a consummate professional. Stay safe uh, and keep inspiring us by telling the stories that need to be told. Thank you, Rocco. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. This is The Feed. I'm Ann Romer. The province has also created a list of Ontario companies ready to supply personal protective equipment for businesses. Tina Cortez with that story. Vic Fideli is Ontario's Minister of Economic Development, Job Creation and Trade. Thank you for joining us on The Feed. It's great to uh, join you today, Tina. Thank you. Let's begin with the list of companies ready to supply PPEs for businesses. Where did this idea come from? We knew that once we began to open up the economy that businesses are going to need uh, personal protective equipment supplies. We had 23,000 people and companies uh, send in uh, requests to us for information on our Ontario Together website, and we felt that we should take uh, the companies uh, who are making personal protective equipment and and we felt a responsibility to show that they're available in Ontario. And so we put out Ontario.ca slash PPE. And there are companies right here in York Region, right? 
Yes, you've got a lot in Markham. There are uh, several from dental brands who make ma- who deliver masks and eye protection and gowns. Icon Digital, uh, again, eye protection and masks and others. Link Global Food, gloves, masks, gowns, and more. Pegasus, gloves, gowns, masks, and more. Eagle, digital, technical. In Richmond Hill, C17 Media with eye protection and others. SMP Canada with eye protection and others. Let's make it. Masks, sanitization, and in one, you've got Grand and Toy, of course, with masks and gloves and sanitized products, gowns, coveralls, um, um, uh, Micronics with coveralls, gowns, and eye protection, some GTA trading with uh, sanitation products, gloves, masks, and quite a, quite a productive list. We've got about 150 companies listed on the web today, and it grows every day. It's growing exponentially now as chambers of commerce are adding uh, to our list. That sounds fantastic. Now, earlier this week, we saw the gradual reopening of the economy. How do you think it's going so far? It seems to be going well. Look, 14.5 million people across Ontario made a lot of sacrifices over the last couple of months. We don't want to see that all fall backwards. And so we know that, uh, more anecdotally at this point, that the people are respecting uh, the social distancing uh, the Ministry of Labor has put out uh, over a hundred different um, uh, sector by sector guidelines. So, if you're a golf course, you look up golf course, and there's the guidelines that you need to follow. If you're a retailer, you now know that it's only one person allowed in your store per every four square meters, or about 40, 40 to 45 square feet. So, you know the numbers, you know the requirements. Uh, I, I stopped uh, downtown on. Uh, uh, just around Bay and Dundas, uh, went in for a dinner the other night to, pick, to do a pickup. They give you a mask as you walk in. So people are understanding that masks are important, social distancing is important. We don't want to step backwards. Now, when do you think we can move to phase two, and what will that include or involve? When the chief medical officer of health says the numbers uh, are now trending downwards, the congregate numbers are now trending downwards, to a satisfactory level, you should be able to move into a, a further phase. That's when we'll kick into the next phase, and uh, it, it, it will involve a wider variety of, uh, uh, of businesses. Uh, and like everybody else, I sure as heck hope that it needs hairdressers because, you know, I haven't had hair like this since I was school. <laughs> so can I ask you, what do you think it's going to take to gain consumer confidence? Time will have to pass. Mm. The numbers continue to need to fall. And we'll get used to putting a mask on to get on transit, putting a mask on to go into a grocery store. Uh, certainly putting a mask on when you know that social distancing might not be possible. You might not be able to physically be six feet away from somebody at all times. So uh, that will become our new sense of reality, and it, we'll just get used to it uh, as we continue to increase the number of uh, tests that are performed on a daily basis. And uh, we see that the, the congregate numbers begin to fall. Now, you said recently that the old ways of doing business, they're done. What does that mean? And are you suggesting that businesses that can't keep up or pivot will close their doors for good? They're going to need to change. Now, so I'm sitting right now in my home in Corbeil, Ontario, in northern Ontario, birthplace of the Dion Quintuplets. I'm on a lonely little highway in a town of 4,800 people, yet I just finished uh, doing worldwide trade uh, conference online. I, I operate my ministry from three Blackberries. Yes, still a Blackberry. Oh, I'm uh, a fan. A hardened, yeah, three Blackberries, a hardened laptop, and a desktop unit. And that's where I operate from. Now, I did come to Toronto for a couple of days this week for the first time in a, in a couple of months. I stayed in Toronto because the legislature sat Tuesday and Wednesday. But other than that, I've been home in Corbeil. Um, uh, as I say, on a lonely little highway in the middle of nowhere, uh, operating rather successfully uh, worldwide, doing trade uh, in India, and uh, just everything is operating the way you would expect. 
Um, and that's the, that's what I say. Businesses are going to have to do that. You know, we saw Canadian Tire as an example when we shut down um, uh, the non-essential businesses. Uh, they immediately built an online system. They hadn't had one. Uh, it was built uh, uh, and it's robust and it worked well for them. They were able to adapt. They're a large company and have the resources. And so we're seeing every company. You're going to need to be able to start to work in in this new virtual world. Look, many of us knew this was coming, but uh, we kind of were waiting for the next generation to do it. But I think... Um, uh, I think, Tina, that we've leapfrogged an entire generation now, and we're now into, the, into that new realm. Well, you were Ontario's finance minister. You're now our minister of economic development. How does the economy recover from this? It's interesting that um, we closed, because of COVID-19, the, the non-essential businesses in a, in a different way than other provinces. We left our manufacturing sector open. Now, the auto sector chose to close on their own, uh, but we left the mines and the manufacturing sector open. I mean, it's going to be a long, uh, drawn-out story to explain how all that comes, but at the bottom line, the Premier said you need food, water, and a roof over your head. And if you go back and trace all the way through uh, where you get food and what you need and how you cook food, you know that you need the mines to make steel, to ship to the plants that make the products to, so that you can build a, a stove and a fridge to store your food. And so there was a lot of logic used in behind what stayed open and what didn't. But this week was a big week. The, the retailers were open for the most part, not in malls, but the retail was open. We saw construction reopen. That's hundreds of thousands of people went back to work for construction. And we saw the auto plants reopen. 100,000 men and women went back to work in the parts manufacturers. And so we've seen a big push in the resurgence of our economy today. There are still sectors paint, uh, whether you're in film and, and, and sports and retail and restaurants. So there's a tremendous amount of work to do, but we're starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel when we put so many people back to work this week. And as we see that light at the end of the tunnel, what's your message to our listeners during these days? Don't slide back today. Don't think we're out of the woods. Stay safe. Follow all of the uh, uh, guidelines, uh, you know, uh, about wearing a mask, social distancing, receiving, I mean, all of the things that are just common sense. We cannot, we cannot take this disease for granted. We have not beat it. We are beating it, but we're not, it has not been beat. I know you mentioned it already, but one more time, if our listeners want more information, including the PPE suppliers list, where can they find it? You go on Ontario.ca slash PPE. You can go on Ontario.ca slash coronavirus. That's a pretty big website with a lot of good details. Uh, those, are, those are kind of the places that you should, you should uh, uh, get, get on and have a look and, and uh, get a better understanding of what's happening in Ontario. Vic Fideli, Ontario's Minister of Economic Development, Job Creation and Trade. Thank you for joining us on 105.9 The Region, and we hope you get that haircut real soon. <laughs> Look forward to that day, Tina. Thank you very much. This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. Along with the gradual reopening of the retail sector came the announcement about schools. Well, the fate of the rest of the school year was revealed earlier this week when both the Premier and the Minister of Education confirmed that school's out for the summer, in a sense. Uh, let's head now to Stephen Lecce, Minister of Education and MPP for King Vaughan. Thank you so much. The announcement earlier this week was specific in a way, but not terribly in another. So let's first of all talk about the next few weeks in terms of what the students will still be expected to do? Well, we know we absolutely are committed to seeing students remain safe. Uh, our top priority is uh, making sure that in the time of this COVID pandemic that they remain uh, in a safe environment because we just can't compromise uh, the security of our kids. And we've been very consistent in our expectation that uh, they remain uh, at home given the risks that could uh, transpire. And so we made this decision. It was a tough one but it is largely premised on uh, 
ensuring that we don't see community spread. We don't see children uh, both contracting the virus but also spreading it to their families, which is what has happened in other jurisdictions. Uh, this plan is really premised on emphasizing the importance of uh, the online learning, the kids learning at home we need, and we're asking all educators to continue to step up to do that virtual live face-to-face learning, a video conferencing, it's called, you know, we can refer to it as synchronous learning. It's, uh, it creates community for these kids, and we think that's important. So we want to see more of that. Uh, and obviously, we're going to be coming forth with a plan for September. But in the meantime, man, I can tell you, the summer learning program is expanded. It's more than doubled. It's going to give access to more kids to learn over the summer months. And I think that's really important given, you know, many parents may feel, and the students themselves, that they may need a bit of a refresher. So can you describe to me what the summer learning is going to look like? Yeah, I mean, the summer learning program is going to be both virtual and in class. We're going to give parents that option. We're going to, we've doubled the investment in it to give access to more kids in Ontario. The focus is really going to be on course recovery uh, as well as credit uh, accreditation, meaning, you know, if a student wants to take a new course, uh, wants to retake a course they perhaps didn't do particularly well in. They want to reach ahead in grade eight into the grade nine curriculum and start taking upgraded courses. They can do that this summer. We're also introducing some specialized summer learning programs for math and some new supports for mental health and special education for kids with exceptionalities. We really care about these kids, and I know it's just so hard on the parents, and we think it's going to be important to create that transition for them just to set them up to succeed. And so we've come up with a two-week program that's going to help um, improve both communications and behavior and create some uh, consistency for the child as they lead into September. So all these types of initiatives will be unveiled or have been unveiled, and now local boards will be working to implement them and uh, try to increase the uh, access so that more kids could be supported. You mentioned the summer learning program will also include in-class. What do you mean by that? Well, summer learning historically in this province has always been largely in class, led by a teacher, uh, with specialized areas of focus like math the curriculum uh, has been an area of focus for the government and so and for, for summer programs. So there will be new protocols put in place for when students re-enter schools in September. Uh, and there will be, um, and likewise for this for the summer period of time, and that means that there could be a change in how they look, how schools feel, the design of schools to ensure we abide by the health authority, who's very clearly said, um, you know, that, that the world is changing, and so obviously, you know, the education system will as well. Uh, but I think what it's important for parents to know is it's voluntary. Um, they can always opt for virtual uh, experience if they choose not to have the in-class experience. But given the new protocols we're going to be putting in place and um, the fact that the province has been seeing over the past weeks some movements, uh, the right trajectory when it comes to flattening the curve, my hope uh, is that you know, there will be a sense of uh, uh, confidence that the system is strong, ready, with a clear plan in place to mitigate any harm and spread and ultimately keep these kids safe. And Minister Lecce, how do you propose to keep them safe in a classroom setting starting this summer? Well, the Chief Medical Officer of Health has provided guidance on that, and we'll be you know, communicating on what, how schools will change, how they will look, but it will, will have to include things like distancing, um, you know, new protocols on just ch- children's mobility within schools, you know, they may need to have someone you know, join them, for example, when they go uh, walking them to the next room just to limit um, any socialization that can, you know, uh, that can't be socially distanced. Uh, it may require us to space out the desks more. I mean, there's a lot of considerations, uh, but that decision point is not made by a politician, but by a medical officer. They're advising me, and the program will be unveiled, uh, the details of which for the summer. But I think uh, what is important is that all those considerations are on the table, they're all, uh, if they are sensible and they need to be made, they will be made. Because for us, the bottom line is, how do we make sure that a classroom can be safe or as safe as possible in this environment? And we have confidence in our health authority that they're going to give us that guidance. They already have, for example, on the emergency child care. And that's been working 
uh, you know, broadly well in Ontario, supporting thousands of kids uh, for whose parents are frontline workers in hospitals and long-term care centers and really critical members of our supply chain. So we're going to continue doing that. But I think parents just, you know, in short, they'll have the option. It is voluntary. There will be strict protocols in place. There will be new guidelines. Uh, schools fundamentally will be a bit different this year, and I think we all get that but it's going to be all be about safety. And that's really the premise for why we closed schools in Ontario, the first in the country, maybe, uh, I guess, two months ago now. And it's why we continue to have them closed today, because we're just not going to take a risk when it comes to your kids. So the summer learning in-class experience could be, in a sense, a bit of a test run when it comes to how school will look and classrooms will look come September. It's going to definitely inform that. Um, you know, we're always learning lessons learned to evaluate the efficacy of those protocols. But the Chief Medical Officer of Ontario and the entire COVID-19 command table have been uh, very helpful in giving us that guidance. And we believe um, that parents will have a sense of confidence when they see the full suite of changes that will have to be made uh, as a consequence of this outbreak. And I think uh, it's a responsible way forward. It, you know, there are some concerns like the impacts of the ch- of children. You know, for example, some provinces are limiting, um, you know, um, recess. Uh, they don't have recess, or there's real st- tough restrictions on that. And I, you know, we have to just be cognizant of these impacts on kids. Right? They need to have so they need to have some elements of recreation. They got to get out there. They got to play. There's a, a social component to learning. Um, and so we're mindful of that. And I've been speaking with a lot of incredible authorities in, in science and medicine, including the leadership team of sick kids, and they've really impressed upon me the importance of the mental health components of our kids. And so we're trying to find that balance, but I want to be absolutely clear when it comes to safety, uh, we will spare no expense. We will do whatever it takes to get these kids into a safe environment this summer for those that choose to and for September for all kids in Ontario. Final question, Minister Lecce. Uh, school is going to look very different. This is according to you and the Premier in your announcement earlier this week. Is everything on the table, for instance, smaller class sizes, staggered hours, maybe even learning on weekends in order to make sure that the children and the teachers are safe in an in-class environment come September? Yes. I mean, in short, all options have to be on the table and they remain on the table. I mean, right now, the focus is going to be on coming up with a protocol that allows sufficient distancing and that permits, you know, a sense of community for these kids that they're together um, and that's what I think is what everyone really wants. That's our aspiration. That's, you know, I think uh, as, we, as we look at the world, uh, schools have had to change the delivery uh, and the feeling of classrooms. They've had to, in some cases, really transform education. And I think while that is uh, concerning, uh, for in some respects, it also creates an opportunity for us to get this right because safety is not something we can take a risk with when it comes to our youngest learners in this province and the next generation of this problem. So, you know, while there's going to be change, I also still believe that there's a great value proposition to getting kids back into schools led by their teachers, going through the curriculum with their students, even if they're further apart and there's less, you know, quote, playtime, especially for our younger learners. It's, um, it's still going to create an opportunity for the child to, to, to uh, learn uh, to get ahead and ultimately to get some of those experiences, those social and emotional experiences that they perhaps don't have right now while they're at home for this prolonged period of time. So the goal is safety. The mission is learning throughout this period under in-class or in-school. And we're doing it in partnership, of course, with our administrators and educators and parents who have been so amazing and so patient and so generous in supporting their kids. And we're so grateful because I know that this has not been easy on you on the parents of this problems uh, who are working in many cases and teaching and doing all the things but they've done it with great grace. And so we're, we're grateful for that partnership. And I think in Ontario, we've got a great advantage. We've got good people. We've got ingenuity. We've got the ability to get technology out. So we've got, you know, 200,000 devices and computers have been sent out, you know, low cost intranets to families that don't have connectivity. I mean, really this is this problem stepping up and punching above its weight. And that's the spirit I'm proud of. Stephen Lecce, Minister of Education, MPP for King Vaughn, thank you so much for the additional details that you've just given us when it comes to the pathway toward greater education through a pandemic here in Ontario. Much appreciated.
Thank you so much. Have yourself a great day and be safe this weekend, everyone. I'm Ann Romer. This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. Jim Lang is next with an update for seniors from the federal government. This is a whole strange new world we're living in right now with COVID-19. And among the groups of people in the world, in our society, in the region, in the province, in the country, per se, that have been hardest hit have been our seniors. To talk more about it, thrilled to be speaking to Minister Deb Schultz, the MP for King Vaughn, and the minister responsible for seniors. Deb, how are you? I'm fine, Jim. Thank you very much for having me on your show today. Well, it's a pleasure. Uh, I'm, I mean, my parents are seniors. They're living in a senior's home in Nova Scotia. My mother-in-law is in a long-term care facility in Brampton. And it's tough. It's tough the fact they can't, A, go out to see people, but more importantly, people can't see them. You're absolutely right. You know, my mother-in-law, she's in a long-term care facility in London, and my father-in-law is in a senior's residence. And her birthday was just last Friday, and she's 94 and we could not uh, go and see her. They um, they weren't sure if they were gonna they were having an outbreak. They had tested one person was positive, so they didn't let anybody near. Um, the previous week we'd gone for Mother's Day weekend, and well, that's not true. It was before Mother's Day weekend. We'd gone over there and given her some flowers because uh, we were uh, you know we wanted to make sure she hadn't forgotten about us. Uh, we do get to see her on Skype, but. Um, you know, it's difficult. It's really, really difficult. And my father-in-law was unable to go and see his partner um, over so many years uh, for her birthday, and it was heartbreaking for him. So for all of us, we're struggling, and especially for our seniors. It's really, really difficult. And, um, you know, my heart goes out to those that are that have lost a loved one and that, um, you know, I, I can say we all have the fear. Um, luckily, we just got good news over the weekend that the it was a false positive. Well, that's great so, news. The uh, facility is still good. But it is it is a worry for all of us. So I, I do uh, feel for you and your, you know, your loved ones as well. And uh, we are all staying vigilant. But to do that, they're, they're staying physically distant from us, right? And, have, have, you know, they... They're the ones that love to hug their grandkids, and they love to to see their family members, and they're they're stuck uh, on their own in many cases, um, and it's it's tough. Well, Deb, and, and seniors are not alone in this country now. Uh, along with Justin Trudeau and the Liberal government, Deb, you guys are unrolled and unveiled some financial help to seniors to alleviate some of the anxiety. We're hearing stories of seniors dealing with stress, depression, and anxiety right now. So at least the government can do is help relieve some of their financial anxiety. There's no question we're doing everything we can to try to help. Um, when it comes to financial aid with the, with the support we've just done, those on old age security are going to get uh, a, five, uh, a $300 uh, check. If they're on guaranteed income supplement, they'll get an additional 200 So for a couple that's on a guaranteed income supplement, they'll be getting a, a $1,000 from the government, and they don't have to apply. It's going to just come to their bank accounts or, you know, by check via which way they get uh, their payments. For uh, for those uh, low and modest income seniors, they would have already seen an uh, an amount a GST top up that would have again just come to their bank account. They didn't need to apply, and that was on average about three hundred seventy five dollars for single seniors and about five hundred and ten for uh, for couples. So if you're a couple on guaranteed income supplement. Um, you would have received or you will be receiving from the government to to um, get through the pandemic about fifteen over fifteen hundred dollars that's a significant amount of money to help seniors but it isn't just about giving them the money to get through with the additional costs that they're facing it's about making sure that we have the community supports so we've put almost uh, we've put over half a billion dollars um, into community organizations like United Way Red Cross Centrade Food Bank many, many other organizations to be able to help support seniors and, and other vulnerable Canadians get through, get hot meals. And I've seen that right here in our own community. We've got hot meals being delivered. Uh, we've got groceries being delivered. We've got groups just making phone calls and talk, reaching out to seniors, finding out how they're doing, making sure they know they're not alone. We've got some really creative ideas that people have been doing. We've got the HOPE um, initiative by Human Endeavor, who has about 150 seniors that they, they normally connect with 
through um, face-to-face exercise. They're doing it now on Zoom, and I joined one the other day. There was 50 on the line. They're all doing their exercises, seniors' exercise, and then after there's a little chat, they share with me how it's been life-changing for them. It's so uplifting to be able to connect with their friends. Even though they can't do it physically, they felt really close. So that's been fantastic. And we've also launched a new online portal, Wellness Together Canada, at ca.portal.gs. So those that are really struggling and and uh, need some advice, uh, you know, expert advice, uh, they should be reaching out there as well. I know the, the governments on all levels are gradually reopening the country, reopening businesses. It's a slow process, and we have to prove that we've earned the right to go to the each next stage. When do you think mm-hmm. we'll get to the stage, Deb, that senior homes will be reopened to have visitors, uh, even on a limited basis? Right now, we're still seeing a tremendous um, loss of life in long-term care facilities, so they are going to be um, very closely managed. I think that um, opening up long-term care will be something that will be done in conjunction with the public health authorities, and they will give the advice when they think we're ready. Right now, I still think there's there's too much risk, uh, but that is not my call. That is public health, and that's Public Health Ontario in conjunction with Public Health Canada. And I know they're looking very closely at long-term care and seniors' residences to see, you know, when we might be um, in a better place. But right now, it, it's still a lot of the, the deaths are occurring in those facilities, and so I think they're, you know, they're going to be very cautious. Uh, to make sure we don't introduce um, more disease into those facilities. Speaking with Minister Deb Schultz, the MP for King Vaughan, and the minister responsible for seniors, and, and Deb, I always felt with my in-laws, with my parents, you know, I, I'm in that middle age group, but I was starting to think, I think, I, I think people don't pay enough attention to seniors. For some reason, in a dark way, what's happened with COVID-19, I'm hearing more and more people talk about seniors, talk about senior facilities. How can we improve it? And will that mm-hmm. change the narrative for this country, how we deal with our senior population going forward? Well, I have to say that uh, we've been focused on seniors since the beginning of our term, uh, you know, and last, you know, last, uh, last term. Uh, we've been making sure that seniors are front and center in our thinking and being helping, especially those the most vulnerable seniors getting the help that they need. But you're absolutely right. It's shown a spotlight specifically on how we care for seniors in their later years. And I just heard today the um, Minister Fullerton uh, announced that uh, they're looking to do a long-term care commission in September, which I'm very glad to hear. As you know, we have been supporting as a federal um, government it is regulated by the provinces and territories, long-term care and seniors' residences. So we've been doing everything we can in terms of providing additional money to health, uh, health transfers so that they can support uh, improved health during the pandemic and, and what needs to be done to, to manage the pandemic. We've also been putting we put about $2 billion on the table to help procure the needed protective equipment that is in short supply around the world, and we've been working on that 24-7 and working to get Canadian businesses to retool and and make uh, local supplies so that we we don't have border issues like we did at the beginning of the pandemic. We've also put $3 billion on the table to help with um, wage top-ups because we know those um, PSWs, that are working in these facilities, they're working in multiple facilities, and the directive was to try and work in one facility, which would have been a big impact to their financial well-being, and so they needed a top-up, and so we've put money on the table with the provinces and territories to, to help deliver that to those heroes on the front line. They have been truly heroes um, looking after our seniors in difficult circumstances and putting their own lives at risk uh, to, to make sure that they're well, well cared for. There are many excellent facilities that have been doing a fantastic job. Of course, we hear in the news the horrific stories, and my heart goes out to those residents and those families that have lost loved ones in those facilities. And they, they you know, we do need to do a deeper dive to find out how we can do better. And we need to do better. And that, Deb, that's the one thing in closing that I always find with Canada and Canadians and the federal government and Canadian politicians that when times like this, 
they reassess and they they be better. They work to to improve things for all of us in the future, and I'm I'm looking forward to that. Me too. Me too. De- I'm looking forward to working with the provinces and territories to to make it better. For sure. Uh, amen to that. Uh, stay safe, stay healthy, keep up the great work, and thank you for all you do for the people of King Vaughn and singers across this country. We greatly appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. You have a great day, and I look forward to coming back on the show soon. All right? <laughs> here, here. Talk to you, Deb. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to The Feed on 105.9 The Region, where we share stories, issues, and events from right across York Region. So this is great. The Holland Landing Snowmobile Club is helping the local economy by giving to frontline workers win-win. Afua Ba with the details. Well, we continue to hear about ongoing acts of kindness that are helping residents across the country that have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Locally, the Holland Landing Snowmobile Group decided to recognize some of Ontario's unsung healthcare workers by donating over 1,500 gift cards to behind-the-scenes staff at South Lake Regional Hospital in Newmarket, amounting to more than $30,000. So joining me today to chat about this great act of kindness is Joe Marillo, president of the Holland Landing Snowmobile Club. Joe, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. No problem. Thank you very much for the interview. It is our pleasure. Okay, so let's uh, help the listeners know. Tell us about uh, this great initiative that's being done by the Holland Landing Snowmobile Group. Well, the Snowmobile Club, um, we got together. We've been in Holland Landing since 1976. We're we're a community-based organization. Holland Landing has always been our home, and uh, they've always supported us and and been behind us. And this is our opportunity to give back. When uh, when COVID hit, we realized that a lot of our community was – uh, the East, Gwillen, East Gwillenberry community was affected, and uh, we wanted to find a way to give back. So we've uh, we've done donations to the food banks in uh, in Newmarket, in East Gwillenberry, in Bradford, and um, but you know we we need to do something else, and we decided to put something out for the hospital workers that aren't necessarily frontline, aren't the ones that are getting a lot of the recognition, but more of the backline uh, support staff that uh, that are there. So uh, we decided to come up with some way to. Um, to give them a little bit of a thank you, a gift certificate of some sort. And that is such great news and, and such a great initiative. What prompted the group to, to do this type of uh, act of kindness? Again, it's just giving back to the community that supported us for so long. It's, uh, it's been a, a great community to be in. Uh, it's our home for most of us, and, uh, and we love it. So wanted to find a way to give back. And I love, too, that there's also a local twist to this. So the way that you're giving back, too, it's also, in a way, helping the community in terms of um, the gifts are also redeemable within local shops within uh, Newmarket? That's correct. Uh, I own a business in Toronto, and I'm part of the Business Improvement Area, BIA, in Toronto. And uh, we thought, you know, what better way to uh, to do this than to try and include the businesses, uh, the local businesses, in that as well. So we, we contacted the local Main Street BIA, and they put us in contact with the Chamber of Commerce, uh, and between the Chamber of Commerce and the um, and the city, they they have the the shop local gift card program. They put that together, uh, helped by Snaps Newmarket. The Chamber of Commerce is there, uh, and between all of them, they came up with this program where we can uh, donate some gift cards to the hospital workers, and they can in turn redeem them at local Newmarket businesses, and that's a, a win-win for everybody. You mentioned that you have a, a business in Toronto, and you're part of the local BIA there, and also the the initiative of these gifts is also going towards uh, maybe helping to build the local economy in Newmarket. Can you talk to me about maybe how COVID-19 is impacting the local businesses and maybe how businesses are also trying to weather the storm at the same time too, trying to help people uh, who might be affected themselves? They know that they're affected um, financially, but they're still doing what they can to help residents um, who maybe can't make ends meet in some way or can't maybe find a meal. Well, that's um, that's a conversation we can have for an hour on that. I can speak for a long time on that one. Uh, Toronto, Newmarket, all of the all of the communities are having the same problem. Businesses are uh, were severely impacted by this. Most businesses ended up closing. The ones that were essential businesses, they're they were still open, but with no work coming in. Uh, some restaurants were able to to pivot around and and do takeout only, and that was fantastic. And some businesses, my own included, were were still operating, but with very little business coming in. So. Rent becomes an issue. Uh, that's one of the big issues here in Toronto now is that uh, a lot of landlords just are, are not with the program as far as rent relief. Um, you know, 
having to lay your staff off and trying to bring them back in afterwards. The the different programs that are put out by the federal government and the provincial government to, to help businesses uh, don't necessarily include all businesses. And a lot of business owners found themselves uh, not qualifying for any of those. Hairdressers, uh, salons, any service industry where they're self-employed and they don't have employees, all of those are suffering. All those businesses are suffering. So uh, as some of those are members of the new market community, we thought, you know what, if we can do something that will actually benefit both, we'll, we'll give something as a thank you to the workers at uh, South Lake Regional Health Center, but also be able to give back into the economy, into the uh, community. That would be fantastic. So this hopefully will kickstart a few of them, will help some of those businesses uh, get started now that the um, uh, we're into phase one in the province and, and some of the businesses are able to open again. This will be able to uh, help them get going. I agree. I hope that this will, of course, help to maybe help businesses slowly rebound from the initial shock of this COVID-19 crisis. And um, yeah, It's been horrible. Yeah, it, 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 I can't even imagine. I mean, just uh, being able to weather it alone is is a battle in and of itself. I hope that uh, businesses are able to, to do their best to weather through this and, and be able to rebound stronger. Um, and I know and I believe that residents will probably be rallying around local residents and local businesses to help bring them back up. I took a look at the Snap New Market site to, uh, to redeem the coupons, and there are a bunch of businesses. It's great businesses in the New Market area that are uh, that are participating in this. Uh, I have their names in there. They can redeem their coupons to those different businesses, and it's fantastic to see that they're that they're all pitching in and getting in there. So there's a great variety of everything from from health clubs to restaurants to everything in between. So um, I would kill for a haircut right now so hopefully that comes back on as well soon you are not alone i need a hair salon badly <laughs> <laughs> since uh you know giving out these gifts um have you heard back from any of the recipients or have you heard maybe feedback uh, through the vine if you will about maybe how people felt when they got these gifts we have heard back from the uh, chamber of commerce and they've said that uh, people have started to redeem them already they're greatly appreciated and, and any of the ones that are, are not um claimed the ones that go unclaimed will go as a cash donation to the south lake foundation as well so uh you know if, if some of those workers decide that they they don't need it and they they would like to donate it further into the the hospital system into the foundation they can do that as well and moving forward do you possibly plan on maybe uh, i know this is going towards south lake and the the backline helpers if you will at south lake is there maybe any plans in the future to help other um, hospitals in the region uh, there's a possibility. We haven't uh, said no to anything. We dug deep to uh, to come up with this, and um, you know it's, it's been uh, it's been great being able to get this program put together. It took a while to to come up with it, and uh, yeah, I think if uh, if there's an opportunity, we may do that as well. How does it make you feel to be a part of, I guess, this initiative and to see so many great acts of kindness in general happening during this difficult time? I think it's uh, it's heartwarming. It's enlightening to see so many people uh, giving and, and reaching and digging deep to be able to uh, give back to the community. Um, you know, we as a, as a club, as a community organization, have uh, the community has always been our strongest, uh, our, the strongest part of our of our club. So we've um, giving back into that is uh, is a great way to work with the community. And I think all of these different groups that are out there and, and are doing something, either doing fundraising or doing um, you know, drives, pulling in bottles to take back to be able to buy PPE for the hospital and things like that uh, are fantastic. We're seeing a lot of that, and that's uh, that's Canadiana. That's Canada all the way. Joe Marillo, president of the Holland Landing Snowmobile Club, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me on this, and thank you so much for you and your group and doing this wonderful act of kindness and helping uh, maybe those unsung heroes, the unsung of the unsung heroes during this time. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. appreciate it. For exclusive COVID-19 updates from York Region's Medical Officer of Health, go to 1059theregion.com. I'm Ann Romer. Thank you for listening.